see you today. Uh, you have a little more pep in your step, a little more perk in your personality today. Did something happen? It rained. I have seen more people talk about rain, um, and, and it's been good. We, we are grateful that the Lord sends rain in His time. He knows when we need it, and we're grateful that our time lined up with His time this time. So we praise God for that. It's good to see you. Um, if you're visiting with us today, we'd sure love for you to fill out a blue card that's in the pew. You can just put it in the offering plate on your way out. If you're visiting with us online, if you look down below the video, you should find um, a link where you can click on that. It'll take you to a bulletin online. You can fill out a connection card there. We'd love to know that you're worshiping with us. Uh, just a few announcements. Um, I want to remind you that Central Kid uh, Preteen Camp is June 21st to 25th. And if you're a student who's just completed third through sixth grade, if you want to reserve a spot, see Jerry. Um, and on that note, two weeks from today, Centra Kid will have a fundraiser lunch. Is that correct, Jerry? Right after church. So we get to test out the fellowship hall. We hadn't been over there in a while to have some fellowship. But we'll do that today, iron out all the kinks, and we'll be ready for you, Jerry. Also, uh, you can... Uh, begin to register online at CherokeeBaptistChurchTX.com for this year's Vacation Bible School. It's May 31st through June 4th, 5.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. That's supposed to be 8, right? 5.30 to 8, Carrie? 5.30 to 8. I'm sorry, that's my fault. 5.30 to 8, and if you're an incoming kindergarten student through an incoming 7th grade student, you're welcome to come. This year's theme is Designation Dig, Unearthing the Truth About Jesus. So we're excited about that. Um, also, this Thursday is National Day of Prayer. So at 10 o'clock, uh, the sanctuary will be open. We'll have a special time of prayer then. But then also, if, if you're unable to make the 10 o'clock time and you'd like to come and pray in the sanctuary, it'll be open and available for you to stop in and pray throughout the day. Um, also, tonight, uh, instead of having our normal uh, schedule since the fifth Sunday fellowship we had was moved to today, then we're going to have movie night in the fellowship hall. Notice the time change. Instead of being 6.30, it'll be at 6 o'clock. Um, so please show up for that. Um, so this Wednesday, uh, we will not have our regular uh, Wednesday night activities so that we can celebrate our seniors. 6 o'clock Wednesday night at the Senior Ice Cream Social. Um, does anybody need to... I need to make an announcement about that. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. If you would like to bring ice cream or cookies, come talk to me about it. And I'm going to have a sign-up sheet in the back, but we'll need them by Wednesday. So um, anyway, just come see me or Jared about that. Thanks. All right. Any other announcements we need to make at this time? Um, I'm sure you know, but there's lunch in the fellowship hall. So if you didn't know about it today, you think, oh, gosh, I didn't bring anything. It's fine. There's plenty of food. Just don't touch the banana pudding. <laughs> um, and then I have a card to read. It says, Dear Church Family, thank you very much for, for the prayers, calls, visits, and the catfish plate. I feel very blessed to be a member of this church. Thankfully, Roddy. So, any, anything else before we have a call to worship? Yes, sir, Jared. Oh, yeah, there's no youth tonight. They'll be at 6 o'clock over here. Did I get them all? Okay. Well... On May the 4th, 2014, I stood right here for the first time and got to preach to you guys. So we're one day shy of seven years, seven full years. And for a call to worship today, um, 
I just want to celebrate God's faithfulness um, through reading a section of Philippians. It's Philippians chapter 1. And when the word you comes up, um, imagine that I'm saying this to you uh, because this is how I feel. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from this first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you all in my heart for you are all partakers of me with grace. I wasn't in prison, but I'll keep reading. Both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I hear you all with the affection of Christ. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let's worship together.
I've got a tub of water here and I've got a bunch of different things and we're gonna, you need to tell me, you need to vote and tell me if you think that these things are gonna float or if they're gonna sink, okay? Let's start with a rock, what do you think? Sink, sink? okay, let's see. Oh, you're right, you did, me too. What about a pencil? Float? Let's see. Ah, you're right. You guys, how do you know this? What about a pencil floats? What about a pen? It'll sink. Float? Let's see. Uh, <laughs> okay, here are my famous paper clips. Remember these? They can jump up in the air and join themselves together. You think they'll float? You think they'll sink? I think it's about 50-50. Let's look. They sank right to the bottom. What about a banana? No clue? Let's see. I, you're surprised, aren't you? It floats. What about this spoon? What about you sink or float? Float. Let's see. Uh, it went right to the bottom. Well, this is aluminum foil, and that's metal, right? Float. It floats. What if I wad it up and make a real heavy ball out of it? Uh, it still floats. So here's my question. In this life, are you going to be a sinker or a floater? I want to tell you, you remember the story of when Jesus fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. Y'all remember that story? Well, when he got through feeding everybody, he told the disciples to get in the boat and go across the lake because he was going to go up on the mountain by himself and pray. What? Interpretation? <laughs> that's right. Okay, that's right. So the disciples got in that boat and they headed across the lake. And you know what happened? Kind of the same thing we saw here last night. Lots of wind, thunder, and lightning. Yes. And the disciples were terrified because the rains were coming and the wind was blowing and they thought for sure that they were going to sink and drown. But they looked up and you know what they saw? They saw Jesus coming toward them and he was walking on the water. On the water. He did not sink. Walker, if I picked you up and put you in this tub of water, do you think you'd sink? Yes, I think you'd sink. I think you'd sink, but I'm not going to try. Well, when they saw Jesus walking on the water, they said, Lord, if it's you, we'll come to you. And Jesus said, come. 
and Peter crawled out of the boat and he walked on the water toward Jesus and he had his eyes on Jesus but he got scared you're going to walk on the water on this water that's right Peter was walking on the water he was and he kept his eyes on Jesus that's right Jesus he was walking toward Jesus but he got scared and he looked down and guess what what happened he uh, sank that's right he sank because he took his eyes off Jesus can you say took his eyes off Jesus yeah took off Jesus that's right and as soon as he did he sank so here's the question are you going to be a sinker or a floater? Because in this life, you're going to be a floater. You're going to be a floater. You're going to keep your eyes on Jesus because as soon as you take your eyes off of him, and you will go through some storms in this life, and I'm not talking about That's right, in this life. The Bible says in this life you will have trouble. That is exactly true. <laughs> So, if we keep our eyes on Jesus, we will be able almost to walk on water. He will keep us afloat. But as soon as we start trying to do things under our own power and we get worried and we get worried and we look around and we see the storms of life, we're just going to sink. Yeah. Sink. We're going to sink. Yeah. But we're going to keep our eyes on Jesus. Yeah. On Jesus. That's right. Let, let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that you are our anchor in every storm. Father, I just pray that we will be able to fix our eyes on you, Lord, and overcome the problems of this life through faith in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. between Mary Catherine and Walker, I think it's time for an invitation, so. <laughs> Let's stand together.
feel about you. Have faith in God, He provides for His own. He Faith in God, He's on His throne. Have faith in God, He watches o'er His own. He cannot fail, He must prevail. Have faith in God, have faith in God. These people all have a coughing fit. My goodness. This is one thing the rain brings to me is allergies, right? So, sorry this morning's been a little different. Denise couldn't get out of her driveway because of all the rain, so you just have to bear with me. I'm going to sing this song over you, and as you pick it up, I want you to sing with me. This is just a prayer. It's a prayer that first God prays over us, that if you're thirsty and you're, and you're tired and you're weak and you're wore out, come to God. And then it's a prayer that we cry out in response that says, come, Lord Jesus, come. And I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more I think, Jesus, if you want to come today, I'm okay with that. And it's not a fear of dying. It, it, it's, I'm just tired of this world. And I know nobody else in this room feels that way, but I'm just wore out from it. And if Jesus would come today, I would be perfectly fine. Because all of the pain and the sorrow would be washed away. All of the sadness would be gone. All the defiance and the anger and hate would disappear. And we would stand before a loving God, just worshiping him for all of eternity. All who are thirsty. Waves of his mercy, 
If you don't show up in this place today, we'll have wasted our time. Holy Spirit, we need you to speak to us the truth of God. Hide Shannon behind the cross. Cover every word with the dripping blood of the gospel. Change us today, God. In the name of Jesus alone we pray. Amen. You may be seated. would please take your copy of God's Word. Turn to the book of Matthew chapter 7. We'll be in verses 7 through 12 today. If you didn't bring a copy of God's Word with you, you should find one in the pew around you. It's black, it's hardback. If you'll turn to the back of it and find page 5, you'll be at Matthew chapter 6. Again, we'll be reading verses 7 through 12 today. While you're turning there, I just wanted to say thank you again to you as a church um, for allowing me to be gone. Uh, I spent some time in Haiti. If you're unaware of that, I left on the 19th of April uh, and returned on the 26th, so Monday to Monday trip. Um, I'm very grateful that the church made this possible for me to go. Um, I was um, in a place called Gibert, about 4,000 feet above sea level. It was very pleasant weather uh, there. I was able to, to work with a team of men from around Central Texas and to teach um, pastors and lay leaders in the churches around Haiti. There was around 210 
uh, people there, and I taught the book of Jonah. They divided the team up into groups by color, so six different times I taught the book of Jonah uh, to these pastors and lay leaders, and thoroughly enjoyed it. And then also last Sunday morning, I had the opportunity to go up to a church at Jaquette, and so I bring you greetings from the church in Jaquette. It's about 5,000 feet. I bring you greetings from their pastor, Pastor Richard. Um, I, uh, I made a joke, which is, is uh, not often advised to do um, in, a, in a, a cultural setting that's not your own, but I, I told them after the time of worship that uh, I feel, and, and it, was my, it was my turn to preach, I said, I, I, really, I really do feel at home here today. You know, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ, whether it's in Cherokee or it's in Jaquette. Um, there's great worship. Um, we have faithful membership. And I said, uh, if some of you fall asleep in the sermon this morning, I'll feel really at home. And, and, uh, and I named some names, so some of you are, fa- are, are famous in Haiti. Uh, and if you're wondering who I'm talking about, just stop halfway through the sermon and look around, and you'll see who I talked about over there. But I just really did enjoy my time. It's the third time I've had the opportunity to go to Haiti, and uh, I just praise God. Um, if you'd like to hear more about the trip, I'll share with us next Sunday night uh, at the business meeting. So if you would, please stand for the reading of God's Word. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 12, and this is God's Word. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? So, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful again for Your Word, and that Christ, the incarnate Word, came to earth and did not simply die on the cross. We knew that that we know, Lord, that's that's a great need of ours. But He was also a great teacher, and as one who was the Creator of all that we see, if there's anyone who knows what creation needs, it's wisdom from on high. And we're grateful for this wisdom. And as we consider it today, would you do us the grace of helping us to understand, apply this to our lives, uh, help us to leave here committed to doing whatever this text says to us. Father, if there are any here today who do not know Jesus as their Savior and Lord, I pray that in the course of the time that remains in our service, they would come under the clear and powerful conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. They would understand that without the blood of Christ and His righteousness, that they are destined to condemnation. And if they turn, repent of their sins, and place their faith and trust in Jesus, they will find salvation full and free. And Lord, as James has already prayed, unless you move in our midst, we will have wasted our time. So Holy Spirit, we pray that you move among us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You will be seated. Uh, When I was in high school out in West Texas, I don't think I ever went when I was 
when I lived where I call home, um, there was a, an event that attracted youth, youth groups, church youth groups from around the area. It was called the Youth Evangelism Conference. And the draw was, besides, you know, getting away from home and, you know, getting to play hide-and-go-seek in a church and generally trying to keep yourself out of trouble, um, Dawson McAllister was the leader of, he's the one that taught the Bible study, and then Al Denson was the one who led music. Um, I don't want to be the only one that dates myself in here, and so who else remembers these? Did you go to one? All right. Okay, good. All right, so we have a few people as old as I am. Um, But while we were there, um, you know, we got out of our comfort zone. You know, I grew up in a church that we sang hymns. Um, and even in West Texas, we, we sang hymns. But when you go to the, Al Dens- to the Youth Evangelism Conference, Al Denson will lead you in some choruses. And so we got to learn, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. See, I'm so old, we sang in King James at times. So we would sing a chorus, and it was, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Alleluia, alleluia. I'm not going to sing it. Therefore, all, people, all God's people said, Amen and Alleluia. At any rate, so that was the first verse. The second verse and third, I may have them out of order, but it was today's text. Ask and it shall be given unto you. You see, good King James. We sang in good King James. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then there was the third verse about uh, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Did y'all sing that one? You remember singing that one? Okay. All right. It, it, we thought we were so cool, and it just wasn't all that great. And, and then we would sing it in rounds. You know, you'd have one section start the first. Jen's nodding her head. So you'd have the, the first group, the, this group do the first section of the verse, and then this, this section would come in, and then this section would come in. And so we'd multiply the misery. And, and it was, you know, we thought we were so cool singing in rounds. And they'd say, all right, guys, you do this. Ladies, you do this. And we'd sing over the top of one another. And then we'd go home and multiply the misery at our church, and they would applaud and clap as we gave a report and sang and led worship. And, but one of the things that um, where all this story is going is uh, when, I, when I sang those verses, I think I was sadly um, ignorant. I don't, I don't mean that in a, it's not a name-calling way, but it just did not know the context of those verses. Of course, the first two verses, uh, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, it's Matthew 6.33, Sermon on the Mount. Um, Ask and it shall be given to you. That, Of course, that's today's text. Um, and then um, man shall not live by bread alone. That's, that's Matthew chapter 4, Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. Uh, but I just was painfully, woefully unaware of uh, what the context was. And if there's anything that we need to know about this morning's text, it's like um, real estate. The three most important words are location, location, location. And with these verses, three of the most important words that we can remember are context, context, context. As a youth, I was unaware really of what the context of these verses was. But now it's important for us to take the time and connect the context to these particular verses. And the context that Jesus wants us to understand here is that he's talking about God's righteousness. So when he says, um, ask and it shall be given to you, seeking you shall find, knocking the door shall be open unto you. It's in a greater context than just about prayer and about God's fatherhood. It is contained in a larger section 
of the Sermon on the Mount. And it actually starts, you can turn with me in your Bible, go all the way back to chapter 5, and uh, it's verse 17. So from 5.17 to 7.12, this is all a section about the law and the prophets or what God expects of His people as He has shared in the, God, in the law and the prophets. So verse 17 of chapter 5, Jesus says, Do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So again, this is like a bookend. It introduces a section on God's righteousness that's going to end up in verse 12 where it says, So whatever you wish others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So verse 12 is a good way to summarize in broad brush strokes what Jesus has been teaching from 5.17 uh, all the way up to, to 7.12. Whatever you think others should do to you, what you would want them to do to you, do to others. <clears throat> of course, it's talking from a positive standpoint. If you would want someone to treat you with kindness, treat them with, treat them with kindness. If you would want someone to, uh, <clears throat> to not be angry at you, then be a person who conquers your own anger um, and treat people how you want to be treated. So the context here is uh, verse is is God's righteousness. So in between five seventeen to seven twelve, Jesus explains to us what God's standard of righteousness is for His people. And remember, as I read early in chapter five, <clears throat> Jesus contrasts um, the the righteousness that God is revealing through Jesus <clears throat> with that of the scribes and Pharisees. And let's not forget that as Jesus goes through and talks about specifically in chapter 5 and on into chapter 6, where he talks about, you have heard it said, but I say unto you, um, it's more than external um, righteous deeds. It's about a person that, that those deeds come from, a heart that is continually being given over to the righteousness of God. So there's an emphasis here on whole person righteousness. And that's where the Pharisees fell short. And this is why Jesus said, your righteousness must exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees or you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. <clears throat> but this context then in turn comes with a call. The context comes with a call. So, so Jesus spends time from 5.17 to 7.12 talking about what God's righteousness is, not just that we would simply be more well informed. Right? I mean, it's good to be well-informed and to know what is expected of you, but the call here is faithfulness. You think about all the way through, Jesus is not simply um, taking the law and extending it further than the, the scribes and Pharisees did. He is calling people to faithfulness. He's calling them to take what they learn here and apply it to their lives. Now, if this carries all the way through even to the next three weeks. The next three weeks, um, as we finish out the Sermon on the Mount, these sermons are going to be about challenges and warnings. 
Just look ahead. You can see, enter by the narrow gate. The gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. So there's two ways a person can go. Then he talks about false prophets, and they'll be either bearing fruit, or they won't be bearing fruit. And then in, in chapter, in verse 24, uh, down through verse 27, uh, there's the two houses, one built on sand, one built on a firm foundation, on the rock. Why does Jesus do this? Why does he end like this? Because there is an expectation that you will take the words that he has just given you and apply them faithfully to your life. Now here's where the rub comes, right? <clears throat> You've heard me use this, this phrase before from G.K. Chesterton. The Christian ideal has not been found, has not been tried and found wanting. In other words, people try the, the Christian way of life, or they and I've, I've said it like this, Christianity. He says the Christian ideal. So people who come, come to faith or say they come to faith or people who are examining Christianity as something that, you know, I, I want to have a relation, I want to have a religion that I can pursue in terms of works. And they discover that Christianity offers more than any other religion can possibly offer. Offer, but then they notice, and people will say this. You know, if I just if I just abide by the Sermon on the Mount, surely God will let me into heaven. Who has ever done that, other than Christ? Has any other human being been able to do this? So this is why Chesterton Chesterton says what he says: the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. As if it lacked anything. No, it has been found difficult and left untried. So why do I bring this up? Here's why. Because we understand the context of what Jesus is saying here. Ask, seek, knock. But we put it in terms of God's righteousness. And when we realize He's calling us to faithfulness, we realize that we have been forced to look in a mirror and see how far short we come in our faithfulness. But God is good, and so is Jesus. He gives us wise counsel. And what is the wise counsel that Jesus prescribes for us? It's prayerfulness. It's prayerfulness. That's why Jesus says, if you're going to pursue God's righteous standard, You cannot do it any way, shape, or form in your own power. So have an attitude of prayerfulness. The Christian who endeavors to live according to God's righteousness will quickly discover that he lacks the personal resources for the task. That's why we must turn to God in prayer. For through prayer we find that God will Abundantly provide what we need in this life. But then you might think, if God only knew me, He would not be willing to answer my prayers. But this is another aspect of what Jesus brings out in calling us, to, in counseling us to pray. It's that when you pray, sorry, when you pray, you are speaking to God, your Father. 
We think of God as a loving and gracious God, not a distant God, not an uncaring God who first has to be appeased by us before He'll listen to our cares. Jesus said, God is our Father. So why can we come to God in prayer? Because of His fatherliness. He knows us inside and out as His children, and yet He still wants us to come to Him. And here's where I want to focus the rest of the sermon is, is on God's fatherliness. So that it will be a draw to us, to draw us to prayer. So we see God's fatherliness. I've made some hard words to have to say today. Um, we see God's fatherliness in, uh, the, in, in verses um, 9 through 11. Um, well, actually all of the text. But the first place that we see God's fatherliness is in His openness to prayer. God is open to our prayers. Verse 7, it says, ask. Now that is a, not trying to get geeky on you, but that is a present imperative that has a continual force to it. In other words, ask and keep asking. Don't stop asking. Continually ask. Ask and keep asking. Now, ask and keep asking actually refers, and this is, you'll find this, these are literary ties in, in, in books, in sermons. Think back to Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. When Jesus is teaching about prayer, He says, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So there's a connection between Jesus saying, Ask and it will be given to you, and what Jesus has already taught in preparing them to hear the Lord's Prayer. So ask and keep asking. The same is true when Jesus says, seek and you will find. The imperative is in the same type of grammatical construction. So it means seek and keep seeking. Now we've heard that word seek before. It's back in chapter 6 verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So Jesus is connecting pieces of this sermon together. But then Jesus says in verse, um, at the end of verse 7, knock and it will be opened to you. Sometimes when you are looking for your parents, and I realize you may have to um, think back to a time many years ago that you're looking for your parents and they were behind a door and they had something that you needed. You didn't go barging in, but you knew that you had to knock on the door in order to go in. Now, God will have doors in our lives where He puts them there so that we will knock. Perhaps we don't hear anything for a moment. But He wants us to persist in prayer, so have us knock and keep knocking. Because He's using that time to grow us in our faith, to teach us to persist, though there may be obstacles. Some of the obstacles may be obstacles that God put there just to grow us in our faith and to get us to depend upon Him. But there are times when, and we know ourselves well enough to know, that we don't ask with the right motives. In fact, James chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, James says, you, ha- you don't have because you, you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your 
your passions. So God wants us to ask him for things in accordance with his will. When you set it in the context of righteousness, God is understanding that we are going to struggle in our pursuit of righteousness. But he wants us to make progress. He knows we won't be perfect, so he encourages us to come to him. But not to ask for things that don't align with his will. The second way we see God's fatherliness in this text is his willingness to answer. Now, did you notice, you probably did in the text, in verses 7 through 12, uh, you saw the word will a number of times, right? Now, that, that does indicate, of course, future tense. So this, this is something that God is going, to ha- is going to happen in the future. Ask and you will, excuse me, ask and you will receive. So obviously it's talking about something that's going to happen in the future. But it's more than that. It's that God really does have a willingness to answer us when we pray, when we persist in prayer. But again, I want to reiterate that God's willingness to answer our prayers is tied to His will for our life. God's willingness to answer our prayers is tied to His will for our lives, which Jesus has just spent all of these verses talking about. This is what God wills for you. Often when we get askew in our prayer life, it's because we're asking about things like James talked about in James chapter 4, instead of asking about things that are in line with God's will. Now when we pray in, in accordance with, John, with God's will, John tells us what to expect. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have toward Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of Him. Because God is a good Father. And that's the final thing that we see in this text. God's fatherliness is seen in His goodness to His children. Notice again what Jesus says in verses 9 through 11. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Now you might think, those seem so far apart. Why would Jesus use that particular example? Well, bread could be baked in such a way as to look like river stones. So why does Jesus teach in this way? As if to say, God's not not going to give you something that looks like it's a solution and actually turns out to not be a solution. He is a good father. He's going to give you what you ask for. Furthermore, verse 9, or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. There were actually fish uh, in the area that had kind of a serpentine look to them. To where if you gave that person the fish, they may not know whether or not they were getting really a fish or a serpent. Again, just to remind us, God's not going to give out fakes or give us something that's nearly good. And then God is compared again in verse 11 by Jesus to earthly fathers. If you then who are evil. Now Jesus is not calling us names. Not saying you evil fathers. He's just making a contrast between us and God. God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. But we who still struggle with sin. There are times when the evil in us rears its ugly head. But even still, the evil does not control us to the point where we don't know how to give good gifts to our children. So, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven 
give good gifts to those who ask him. God is a good father. He wants us to come to him. He welcomes the prayer. He is willing to answer. He wants to shower upon us his fatherly goodness. I'll tell you another way in the text. It's not in the text, but this this fits in with uh, what Jesus is trying to do. Um, Jesus is trying to, to show that God's word is good. And in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 8, he says, And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, including what Jesus has shared with us in the Sermon on the Mount. All of the scripture that God has given us. So God demonstrates His goodness toward us in His gifts of Christ's teaching. But again, when we let reality set in and we start to see our own deficiencies and our struggle for faithful obedience, sometimes we might wonder, is this law a gift or a curse? I never can seem to keep it. Has God led me into abundant life or is this just a shackle of death on me? Well, we need to remember Romans 8, 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Do we think that God doesn't know that we struggle? He does. He does not want us to stand apart from him in our struggle as if, God, I'm not going to come to you in prayer or be around you until I've got my my mess all straightened out. Then I'm happy to come to you. But we've never come, right? So in our mess, we recognize that God has called us to righteousness. People who struggle to keep it. And yet he's not left us without means he invites us as a father to come to him in prayer knowing we need what he alone can give and he's willing to shower it upon us now it's altogether appropriate for Jesus to instruct us here about prayer so he's explained about God's righteousness he's looking back he's going to issue some challenges and warnings as we look ahead and the counsel to pray connects Two, Lord, I don't want to be the person who chooses the wrong way. Lead me in the path of righteousness for your name's sake. And it's appropriate for us to receive the instruction that Christ gives in the context in which he gives it to us, in the context of righteousness. It's also appropriate for us to understand the importance of instruction. Jesus is not simply making some comments in passing. I think we all understand righteous living before God includes and requires prayer. So don't conceive of righteous living before God apart from prayer. It cannot be done. So in closing, this is not a drive-by shooting meant to make you feel guilty. These are just questions that I think are worth asking for the sake of our own spiritual health. Does your life reflect Jesus' instruction? And let's, let, let's draw a boundary around it. I'm talking specifically in today's text. Does your life reflect Jesus' instruction? Do you believe 
that God is calling you to righteousness, but he's not leaving you to yourself to try to get it done. That he is inviting you as a father to come near so he can shower you with the gifts that you need in order to live an abundant life. Do you, does your life reflect Jesus' instruction? And do you feel the weight of this? And by weight of this, what I'm, what I'm getting at is this. Again, this is not a passing comment by Jesus. When you think about where this is positioned in the Sermon on the Mount, and thinking that Jesus is about to begin to sum up and, and come to the end, a lot of times when, when Paul gets to the end of a letter, he's got a few more important things to say. So Jesus has something very important to say here, that if we're going to live a righteous life before God, we've got to receive His instruction, and we've got to be willing to be like a child and say, God, I need your help. I trust in you that you'll give me good gifts. And so I come to you in humility like a child. Let's pray together. Father, we are so incredibly grateful that you are our Father. And what you prescribe for us, what you call for us, what you require from us, you provide for us. We're thankful that in our, our sin and in our condemnation, you required the righteousness of Christ in order to satisfy your holy character. And you provided that for us at the cross through the grace that you lavished upon us through our faith. You provided what we could not provide for ourselves. I pray, Father, that you would, uh, first and foremost in my life, Lord, convict me of my own prayerlessness and of the places where I'm just so incredibly far from what Jesus prescribes here for us today. Lord, I feel I'm probably not alone. There are others here that... They want, to hear, they want to live a victorious life. They understand what Jesus is saying. They want to live it in power. They want to experience the abundant life that He wants to give. And yet, the struggle is real. And so I pray, God, that they would feel your call as a father to ask and to seek and to knock. And that they would be rewarded by you for all of the effort. Father, we love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing Trust and Obey. I encourage you to stand to your feet. Now this is what the Christian life in many ways is about. We trust what God has said, take Him at His word, and we obey. So let's sing this prayer to God and encourage each other with it. When we walk with the
that's a sermon in itself right there. Trust and obey. No other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. You know, and that's what Jesus is calling us to here in the Sermon on the Mount. To trust what God has revealed. To obey it. To turn to God and receive what He wants to give to empower us to live an abundant life. That's always my prayer for us. That we will walk in the abundant life that Jesus has given us. Um, before we leave, I want to be... Yes, sir, Paul. not told you this in in a while and I hope you know but I do love you each and every one of you love you very much Um, and we're grateful man seven years turn around and just got one in college now just happens Um, but when I read from Philippians at the beginning of the service that was heartfelt I hope you understood that I can understand what Paul was saying when he wrote to the the church in Philippi because that's how I feel about, about you Let's be reminded of why we're a church. And let's say the Great Commission together. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always even to the end of the age.